Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Right. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Left reverse. Right. Slow the out. Go kill it, kill it, kill the owner. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I am your host, Keith Smith. We are back from our all-star hiatus. We had a very busy trade deadline. We wrapped everything up. The prior two episodes to this one were all about the trade deadline and all the madness that went on as the NBA really reset itself here for the stretch around. And now we are back with you, hopefully on a weekly basis, here all the way through the rest of the regular season and then the playoffs. And then it gets into the fun time for us prepping for the NBA draft as well as the offseason coming up in this, you know, proves to you know, or should, should be, should prove to be, is what I'm trying to say there. A little out of practice here, so hang with me a minute. And should prove to be a very exciting offseason, so we're, we're going to bring you a ton of content leading up to that. But let me bring in my pals, my buddies here. Con, how are you, man? Fresh off the All-Star break, had a, had a little break here. Did you enjoy your time off? I did. I actually went back home to Chicago. I uh, was with the family quite a bit. Um, and since the league takes a break, we kind of take a break too. So it was nice. And also last three episodes are trade deadline related. So now I can actually get get to the good stuff. (laughs) See, there, there it is. We, that's why we pay you the, the not-so-big box, Scott, <laughs> is to keep us in line like that. And you can hear him in there. Pete, how are you, man? Did you enjoy the time off? Uh, I did. Um, I, I did, uh, obviously, catch All-Star Weekend. The three-point contest was fantastic. I was so happy to see Joe Harris uh, pull that out. I, I predicted Joe Harris before it all went down. Um, I did not have him against Steph Curry, but that, I forgot to tweet that part out. But that's who I had in the finals, and Joe Harris did win. Now, the dunk contest, that's a whole other story, but um, otherwise, you know, good good weekend. Yeah, no, it was. It was. I enjoyed, uh, you know, Jason Tatum winning the skills contest with a half-court shot, uh, much as Spencer Dinwiddie said, if you're behind, just let it fly, and Tatum did and banked it in, so that was a lot of fun, and yeah, I'm with you. The three-point contest was the best part of the weekend uh, for me. What were you going to say, Pete? I was going to ask you, because obviously you're, you're a Celtics guy. And I know you're gonna you're you're biased because it's it's Tatum. Now, do you agree that shooting it from that far back, do you think that should count, or do you think it should be where you have to come up to the line and shoot it there? Do you think it matters? Well, I think, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because I don't think you want somebody just you know like throwing a 
football pass from the other foul line. Right. But the reality is once they eliminated the bounce pass, it wasn't really about skills anymore right. in the skills contest. So, you know, for me, yo, whatever. And, you know, I think, think when you have a guy like Trey young, who you're against, you know, Trey Young's rarely does he shoot a shot from right from the arc anyway. He's usually mm-hmm. pulling up from, you know, four or five feet behind the arc. So, you know, hey, wh- whatever, it's within the rules. I don't, you know, I- I'm fine with it. I think, you know, it makes it a little more interesting. Honestly, I wish they'd bring back the shooting stars contest where they had the WNBA players and the legend. Yeah. I always enjoyed that part of All-Star Weekend, but. Yeah, you know, that's that, that's neither here nor there. Let's get out of this topic though, because no one cares about this. Let's get get into what uh, people really care about, which is the uh, you know basis of our show. It's all front office and transaction based. And despite the fact that the trade deadline came and went with a whirlwind of deals, the last three shows, as Con reminds us, are about the trade deadline. So you can go back and listen to those, and we broke down every deal that went down. There were still quite a few transactions since we last recorded. A lot of these as you know, we're, we're full on into buyout season here for another week or so um, as the everything wraps up on March 1st. That's a playoff uh, playoff waiver eligibility deadline. So if you're on a team and get waived, you got to be waived by March 1st to be eligible. So so that's, uh, you know, where that all stands out. So so what we're kind of looking at here now is. Uh, the guys who you know signed contracts as as we look at this over the last couple of weeks, and there's several of them as we go. All right, let's get into the transactions. The Atlanta Hawks. These are just going to go alphabetical by city because there's a lot of them. The Atlanta Hawks signed Jalen Adams, who had been on a two-way contract to a full NBA contract, gave him a second year as well on that deal. But that second year is expected to be uh, partially or fully non-guaranteed with some form of guaranteed trigger. And then they also signed Jordan Seibert, who had been playing for their G League team, the Erie Bayhawks. They signed him to a a 10-day contract so so Hawks kind of taking care of a couple of their own there a couple G League guys to fill fill a couple of their roster spots that opened up after the trade deadline is they you know ate a couple contracts waived some guys and and opened up some roster spots so so Hawks you know t- again taking care of a couple of their own that that's you know good good work there when you can do that kind of take care of your own guys one of the guys the Hawks waived Shelvin Mack he was acquired by the Memphis Grizzlies and waived by the Hawks he was claimed on waivers by the Charlotte Hornets Hornets seen a little extra point guard depth behind Kemba Walker as Tony Parker has been in and out of the lineup. And then they don't really have another veteran point guard option on the roster. Malik Monk's more of a combo guard and Devontae Graham, despite showing some flashes, isn't quite ready as the Hornets are going to make a playoff push here. And we'll talk a lot more about them as we get into talking about the playoff picture in the second half of the episode. Cleveland Cavaliers signed Nick Stauskas. Now, this one came up a lot on Twitter. As you you know, pe- people are always, you know, pe- it's it's fun for me, Pete. People are getting more educated about the trade rules. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I have noticed that, which helps you because now you don't get, you know, blasted <laughs> with with the same five questions. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. So what happened with Stauskas was he, he was – Acquired by the Cavs in a salary dump from the Houston Rockets. Then the Rockets turned around and, right, no, I'm sorry, from the Portland Trailblazers, right? Or Yeah. From- yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting my, my order of operations here mixed up a little bit. Then they traded him to the to the Rockets, right? Is that the, the right order on Stauskas? Right. Oh, let me... Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So Portland... Yeah, go ahead, Pete. Explain it. Break it down. So it goes to Portland, and then he... 
uh, goes to Cleveland, then Cleveland, then Houston. Houston waived him. Um, yes. Then then he goes no Houston traded him right to Indiana then yeah, Indiana Indiana nice. waived him um, then he goes back to Cleveland yeah so it started off with the Rodney Hood trade to the Trailblazers where Stauskas was sent to to the Cavaliers Cavaliers sent him to Houston in the Brandon Knight uh, salary dump then Houston to save on the tax sent him to the Indiana Pacers for essentially nothing so the Pacers ate ate his contract there and then they waived him. Now he resigned with Cleveland, and a lot of people came back and said, "How is he able to resign with Cleveland? They traded him. Don't they have to wait a full year?" Well, because he was traded subsequently twice more after that, they didn't have. You don't have to wait, so they were able to then resign him because he did not come directly off a waiver after being traded. So that's probably far too much on Nick Stauskas. <laughs> you know, more than anyone cares. He, he you know played a little bit for the Cavs. He might see some time down the stretch, but but we'll see. Then the Dallas Mavericks, they signed Salah Mejri. You, you, that probably seems a little odd, but Mejri was traded, was waived rather by the Mavericks when they went ahead and made a couple of trades at the deadline and leading up to the deadline, like Chris Stapps, Porzingis trade, and then the Harrison Barnes deal. And they waived Mejri in order to, to facilitate the second trade there, the Harrison Barnes trade. And then after they waived Zach Randolph, and they needed a big because they were really short, you know, another center on the roster, the Mavericks went ahead and re-signed Mejri and brought him back into town. So for Mejri, works out for him. He makes makes uh, more money than he would have otherwise because he gets his full salary because it was fully guaranteed. And then he gets to uh, get an additional 500000 or so on top of that. So, you know, pr- pretty good work if you can find it there, if you're if you're solid measuring. Then as we continue down the list, this one's now a little more interesting. So, Con, I'm going to bring you in on this one. The Detroit Pistons signed Wayne Ellington after what sounded like there was not, not a bidding war, but a lot of interest in Ellington. He was traded by the Miami Heat to the Phoenix Suns. He agreed to waive his no-trade clause with the understanding that the Suns were going to waive him and allow him to join a team of his choosing, and the Pistons snapped him up. So do you think Ellington's going to make a difference for the Pistons down the stretch run? I mean, it really, like how much of a difference can you possibly make for the Pistons is is a better question, I would say. I mean, I think he's going to help them on the wing. Their kind of depth is shallow there. I just don't know if that's a game-changing difference uh, to be made for the Pistons. Um, but when... I guess the Pistons' goal is to make the playoffs, and there are four teams that are on the brink. Um, adding an extra depth piece on the wing can help. Um, and the Hornets, I mean, they tend to do worse than what their net differential is all the time, and they also have one of the hardest schedules remaining, too, at third. So anything you can get for the Pistons is going to help, but the Magic are coming in hot, too. So it's, it's going to be tough for them, but we'll get, get into that a little bit later. Uh, Wayne Ellington just... It's it's fine. I thought there would be more trade talk, but I guess people knew that he was going to be bought, bought out, so there was no market for him in the trade market either, which was interesting to see. Yeah, and that's the sense I got. He, he you know, it's it's interesting. I'm going to say this a lot about a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are more name than game. At this point, Ellington wasn't even playing for the Heat. Even when he was healthy, he was completely out of the rotation as Miami is a pretty deep wing group there that they're trying to play. They're even, you know, playing guys like Justice Winslow at point guard ish, you know, roles just to free up some spots there. So, you know, Ellington comes in and Pete, he's going to really compete with Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard. 
the the one thing Detroit's really missing is they don't have a bigger wing. The the biggest wing on the roster is Glenn Robinson the third, but he hasn't worked out for them this year. Has barely played. You know, as part of the rotation. So I'm not really sure. You know that I, I, Brown's pretty good on defense. I like Kennard's probably potential the most of those guys. And then Ellington, I guess he's okay as a bench shooter. But you know, I, I'd almost rather see them give the minutes to the two younger guys than give any minutes to Ellington. How do you feel? Uh, same and Ellington's not shot it well um, since coming to Detroit. I don't know if it's just getting acclimated to the offense or not, but um, you know, only played in two game games, but um, only has hit uh, three out of ten attempts from the floor. Um, not really shot um, great, obviously, and he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't, you know, handle the ball well enough to be. Um, a guy that could facilitate and he's not a really good defender. So he's there to shoot the ball. So if he's not doing that, then you need to give the minutes more minutes to especially Luke Kennard to me, because you really have to find out what you have with him being a first round pick and especially being picked over uh, Donovan Mitchell, which is, you know, the big comparison that um, he often gets and, you know, looking at Detroit going forward, they need to figure out as a franchise what they're going to do, um, you know. So it's really make or break. So I say play the young guys, like you said. Yeah, I'd almost rather see them give the minutes to Svi Mikhailuk, who they acquired at the deadline as well. I'd rather see him get minutes. And I'm a Glenn Robinson, the third guy. I don't know what's going on with him there in Detroit, but I've always felt like he is able to give a team more than what you know he gets opportunity. Got to be do. battling an injury because there's no way you can tell me he wasn't able to play over Stanley Johnson for that long of a period. Yeah. Um, with just especially the way with how bad Johnson was. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I, I really do. I wonder if that ankle, you know, he really had a bad ankle injury where they said it would have been, I, I think it was like, Hey, if I remember correctly, it was such a bad sprain that it would have been better off for him to have broken it. He would have healed quicker and probably healed better. Um, so I do wonder if that's still bugging him. So so we'll we'll see how that shakes out there for the Pistons. Their central division rivals the Indiana Pacers. They obviously had a rotation hole to fill with Victor Oladipo out for the year, and they went ahead and signed Wesley Matthews. And, and a lot of times these buyout guys have very little impact on teams. I think Matthews is going to be the guy for certain we know is going to have a big impact as you know the Pacers pick him up after Matthews was bought out by the Knicks after they traded for him and, he, and he's slotted right in he's gonna he's gonna be that starting two guard along with Darren Collison and I think as more the offensive burden shifts to Boyan Bogdanovich as kind of the the team's primary scorer I really like Matthews for them as a three and D guy what do you think Pete same I think his defense is going to be more vital because that's really ultimately what um, Oladipo was able to bring that intensity on defense. Obviously, his scoring, um, you know, was was vital as well. But I think it was more important Oladipo, especially in um, the system, um, Nate McMillan's system. Um, that's exactly where Matthews is going to thrive as well. Um, obviously, can knock down the three. Hasn't shot it well yet, but you know, it's new team. Um, same with a bunch of these guys. It's going to take four or five, you know, maybe six games to really get into a groove because you're learning a new system. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and a whole bunch of guys have to learn how to play alongside you as well. So, which is crazy. Cause that's like a quarter of what's left in this right. season. You know, with, you know, most teams have in between, you know, 22 and 25 games left. You know, Matthew's also good familiarity with Nate McMillan from their time together with the Portland trailblazers. So con again, you know, you, you in agreement, you think Matthews is one of these guys, one of these late season additions that'll help more than, you know, say some of the other guys we saw get, get snapped up here on waivers or or after waivers i should say yeah 100 percent. i mean we'll get to markeith morris too but them two are kind of the prize jewels of buyout season i guess because there's solid rotation players that can also spot start when you need them to yeah. or or just full-time spot start if you really need them to as your fourth or fifth best player and that's why i'm kind of like if i'm mostly matthews shouldn't i mean i don't know what he was looking for and i don't know how much money he got exactly but i feel like i'd be trying to go to a team like the bucks or raptors or like celtic or i don't know some a team that maybe has uh, their top player not injured for the rest of the season um not that it's not a great move and the pacers aren't a great situation and they all play hard and they're a fun team to watch it's just if i'm wesley matthews and i'm on the buyout market and i'm trying to pick a team where i have the most the highest chance of winning the championship like the Sixers could have used them the any of these um maybe one step higher than the Pacers type teams were probably also looking for a Wesley Matthews so I I guess I'm kind of curious uh about what you think about that Keith no yeah they they definitely were and the word on Matthews was the Pacers guaranteed him the starting spot and guaranteed him minutes where everybody else was you know yeah hey come in and be you know part of the rotation and I think for Matthews he you know, I think at this point he really wants to play and play a lot. And I think for him, he's also a guy who is, he's a little older and a little, um, his, uh, how do I put this? His future's a little less clear than a guy like Markeith Morris. So we know he's got, you know, at least three, four more good years left in the NBA. Matthews might only have a couple good years left. So I think he really wanted that opportunity to show, Hey, I can still play. I can really help you, you know, as a starting level guard, versus being a you know now i'm kind of drifting into that tail end of my career back up you know i'm your ninth tenth man kind of wing player so so that seems seems to be seems to be what it was but but i'm with you especially toronto he would have made a lot of sense for them as they gave up a lot of their depth and in their trade deadline maneuvering and didn't really you know we'll talk about them in a minute with jeremy lynn but they, they didn't add a whole heck of a lot else, you know, to reestablish the bench. But I'm guessing if you're Matthews, you're looking at that situation and you're kind of saying, well, they've got Kawhi and Danny Green on the wing. They've got Norman Powell. They've got OG and Anobi. Where am I going to fit in there? I'm behind probably all four of those guys. This isn't really what I want to be. I think in Milwaukee, that's already a pretty crowded wing group with Middleton and Brogdon starting and Snell. And uh, they, they still like um, Sterling Brown quite a bit. You know, so so that, that's probably my guess is the Pacers offered the clearest path to. Well, not my guess. I know they offered the clearest path to playing time. Pacers made another move too. They converted or or signed rather ended the two way contract for Edmund Sumner and signed him. Sumner's a pretty cool story if you don't really know a lot about him. He was a guy who had been on a two year two way contract. He was in the second year of his two way deal with the Pacers. He's a guy whose draft stock fell drastically after he tore his ACL late in his college career at Xavier and then the Pacers brought him in on a two-way contract last year he really you know his 
played well, stepped up at times for them when they had a lot of these injuries. He was one of the guys they went to early on when Oladipo went out. So, you know, they're, they're really rewarding him with the rest of the season contract. And then they gave him a team option for next year. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I think it's probably going to get declined unless the Pacers really are unsure about uh, what they might do in free agency. You know, then maybe they bring him back on the cheap as it's a you know minimum contract for that second year. But good, good for Edmund Sumner to kind of get that deal and get converted again, taking care of your own. Switching over to the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies, they signed Bruno Caboclo, who had been there on a pair of 10-day contracts. They they re-upped with Caboclo for a two-year deal and brought him in. The second year is expected to be partially um, or non-guaranteed. So rest of the season, then then you know maybe next year, Caboclo's actually been starting on occasion for the Grizzlies. I believe he's going to start tonight and should have said this before we're recording this on Friday, February 22nd, first uh, Friday back after the trade deadline. So that that's, you know, just to kind of put that timestamp on things. So Caboclo, you know, good for him for earning, you know, this contract and stepping up. And maybe he's, you know, I guess he was two 10 days away from uh, being a, <laughs> contract away or something uh miami heat they signed emmanuel terry to a 10-day contract kind of filling out their roster there the minnesota timberwolves they signed isaiah canaan to a 10-day contract uh second 10-day his his, uh, second 10-day actually ended up being about a 12-day i believe the way the 10-day contract works is it's either 10 days or three games whatever greater so when they signed him they carried him all the way through the all-star break when they signed him to that second one and it will run out today um after their game tonight and if they want to keep cannon around after that they'll have to uh re-sign him for the remainder of the year and if if you notice yes i did call him cannon and cannon because i still don't know because he seems to change it uh, every it's couple Kanan. Of years. it's Kanan. is it cannon he said it's cannon um earlier this year i saw something like an interview or something and he he Finally? personally said it was yeah because when he was with Philly, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, he yeah. said it was canon, right? Yeah, he did. And oh, maybe I, maybe he's messing with us. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, I would. Hey, if I didn't have the most common name in the world, I'd mess with people too. So, all right, the New York Knicks, they signed John Jenkins to a 10-day deal. Then he finished that out. Now they're going to re-sign him. If you remember Jenkins, uh, this is a guy who's been around for a while and has really fought his way back to the NBA. Pete, I know, you know you've kind of kept tabs on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was a Vanderbilt product, came into the league with a reputation as a really good shooter, and then just really, really never panned out in a couple different destinations. But now he's fought his way back. They gave him a two-year deal. Again, probably some like guarantee or non-guarantee for that second year actually i'm gonna go ahead and say it's fully non-guaranteed with some form of guaranteed date because the knicks aren't you know giving any dime of cap space away on anybody but jenkins the rest of this year and he'll be back Pete, you you like this one for the Knicks? yeah it's a perfect fit for the knicks because i mean he can it helps them both because he gives them a legitimate outside shooting help um kind of can help his reputation i don't think obviously He's going to be a long-term fit for the Knicks unless he just explodes, um, you know, for them. But I think it helps his value going forward because um, I don't think he really got a shot in Atlanta coming out because of, you know, where they were as far as, you know, competitive in the playoffs and, you know, him being a rookie and, and kind of a defensive liability. I don't I don't think, you know, he really got that great of playing time. And, and he kind of struggled up and down. He shot the ball well his rookie year, didn't shoot it great his second year, battled injuries. And then, you know, it was kind of change of regime and direction. And so a lot kind of hasn't gone his way. But now I think um, with New York, you know, the last 22 games or so, he gets a 
gets a shot because Fisdale pretty much plays everybody. So, yeah, that's definitely true. A lot of playing time to be had for the Knicks, especially as uh, Frank Nilakina continues to work through some injuries. Dennis Smith hasn't been the most healthy guy, and they just don't really have a lot at that more traditional two-guard spot on the roster. So I think you know we could see Jenkins play considerable minutes down the stretch here for New York as their uh, priorities are not really so much about winning basketball games. The Knicks also signed Henry Ellenson, who was waived by the Pistons at the deadline to a 10-day contract. They they brought him in. Um, but the only thing I want to say on him is I think it's a riot. Knicks fans are calling him poor Zingas. So poor P-O-O-R um, Zingas. So I think that's pretty funny. That that you know makes me laugh every time I see it. Um, on to a signing that matters. Con, you teased it a little bit. Markeith Morris to the Oklahoma City Thunder. This one kind of came not fully out of nowhere, but was interesting because uh, the the Morris camp and Clutch and everybody else were giving off some vibes that he might not play again this year, which maybe was to, you know, scare some teams off him, ensure that he got got waived after he was traded to the Pelicans. Not really sure what, what that was all about, but then all of a sudden here he is, you know, signing with the Thunder. So you think he's really going to help OKC in their rotation? Yeah, I mean, this is a buyout guy that I think, and the team itself with the Thunder actually playing really well and uh, wanting to compete for a championship. I think that adding a guy like Markeith Morris, who has been in the playoffs quite a bit, who is really tough, really respected, and just makes the right play um, at the right time, usually, I think that he's going to bring an extra toughness to add on to the toughness that already existed with the OKC Thunder. And I, I just think you couldn't... like. I'd be interested to see a ranking of the best buyout guys that went to teams like every year, because I think Markeith Morris, even though he does have the injury, he probably ranks up there. Um, I would say, because I don't know. I, I just really like Markeith Morris. Maybe I'm just higher on him than most, but this was a great signing. When I saw that, I was like, wow, what a, what an amazing move by the Thunder. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think this has a chance to be really impactful. You know, Adams, and he could Grant, close games. He could yeah, close games I, with I them. I think there's a chance he may close games yeah. for them, especially until Robertson is back. I think if when Robertson mm-hmm. is back, maybe they go small um, because, you know, Robertson can really d- defend anybody, you know, one through four. Um, you know, but I think there's a chance, you know, Adams and Grant have both been really good up front for the Thunder all year as the starters. Noel's been fine for what he is off the bench, but Patrick Patterson has looked awful. Like he just looks done. When I saw them here in person here in Orlando, he just he, he doesn't look like the same guy. He really looks like he's struggling out there. He, he's just not moving well. He's not shooting it well. So that's the role I think Morris comes in. You know really becomes that first big off the bench. And now you've got Adams, Grant, Morris as your rotation. Morris can play small ball five against second units. I, I don't think there's a lot of worry, you know, of him defending guys. There's not, there's, there's not a lot of those, um, you know, big, powerful backup center types in the Western Conference anyway. Uh, may, maybe one is a guy we'll talk about here in a minute, Nennis Cantor, but but the rest of them, I think, Morris, you know, can more than hold his own. So, Pete, Peter, you same, same read there. Do you think, like, Patterson, he's probably going to bump Patterson, if anybody, right? Yeah, he should. Um, and that's the thing. I think, it's for me, it's between um, Cantor and Morris as far as the, the pickup uh, out of the buyout market necessarily. Well, you could say that Canner got, I mean, he got waived, but potentially, you know, more or less buyout. But um, I, I feel like those two were the the most key, um, you know, based on where the teams are in the West, because 
obviously it's going to be Golden State, but those two moves really kind of solidify needs for both teams. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, Jeremy Grant's there in the power forward spot, so that's your competition. They want to go small ball, rarely playing Paul George at the four, then you could do that. But I I would say Morris, who could play power forward and center in small ball lineups, perfect fit. Yeah, definitely. We are we are for certain going to um, see Grant continue to start. I can't imagine mm-hmm. other than any injuries why they would change that up. You know, they, they've been one of the better starting fives, despite kind of playing a little bit of a hole with Terrence Ferguson in the the second guard spot next to Westbrook uh, most of the season. But, you know, but Morris, you know, again, yeah, probably the first big off the bench, you know, that that's where he'll go. They also did, you know, kind of the, the deal of taking care of a couple guys as they took care of Scotty Hobson and Richard Solomon, two of their uh, Oklahoma City Blue players. They, they signed both of them to 10-day contracts, giving them a little bump up to the roster for all their good work in the G League. And then I mentioned that Portland Trailblazers signed Dennis Cantor, and what's surprising, Pete, I'm going to come right back to you. Cantor is, um, looks like he's bumped Zach Collins from the rotation. Yeah. As he's now, you know, getting all the backup minutes behind Yusuf Nurkic. And I don't mind it, but but I, I'm a pretty big Collins fan. And I th- thought he had played pretty well this year. So I don't know. Long, I think rest of this year, that's the right move. Long term, I'm not really sure how much I like this. I wonder if you can find... Some maybe lineups every once in a while where you can play the two of them together with Collins playing more of a four mm-hmm. role, like what they were doing with Myers Leonard and Collins. But but it's interesting. And then obviously this means Scalabissier, who they picked up at the trade deadline, is probably completely out of the plans for the rest of this regular season. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand where they're going unless they're basing it on matchups and the need for Cantor to you know have a better matchup as far as on offense because. Every team in the league is going to basically just drive it right at Cantor and and yeah. score or constantly. put him in pick and roll. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so I don't understand you know that because I I feel like the upside with Collins being able to um, be a decent defender and obviously can score down low. I mean, I guess they're doing it you know to obviously to you know for the playoff stretch, but I don't necessarily understand dropping Collins all the way out of the rotation if you're going to do something. I would have minimized minutes to, you know, some some other guys. You know, Evan Turner's hurt right now, but yeah, you know, he'd be a guy I'd kind of dial back on a on a regular basis. Maybe a little bit less of Mo Harkless, um, you know, guys like that, and then completely not play um, Labissier, like you said, not play Leonard, any none of those guys, any playing time, and even if you really wanted to limit Nurkic until you get, you know, into the playoffs, limit him just a yeah, dial, don't dial him back too much, but you know, just a little bit of a reduction of minutes just to kind of keep him fresh and healthy. Yeah. And I think that's part of the goal here with Nurkic. It's, it's the trailblazers. And I think they, they are one of the more overlooked teams in the NBA. I think a lot of that comes, they they don't play till 1030 at night on the East coast, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're at home and those kind of things. But Nurkic has been really good this year for Portland. You know, not, not that he should have been an all-star or anything, but he's been really, really good for them. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, where this one ultimately pans out. All right. Now uh, two more teams left Sacramento Kings, 
signed Corey Brewer to a second 10-day contract. I think there's a chance Brewer sticks around. Just they, they, I think they'd like to have another veteran there in uh, Sacramento for the, the playoff push as the Kings you know, continue this run, almost taking down the Golden State Warriors last night in what was a really, really fun game. Um, you know, And you just kind of saw the, the Kings youth show up a little bit there. So yeah, that's why they want Brewer around. And then the Toronto Raptors, they made a series of moves at the deadline, which, you know, one of the big ones was to acquire Marc Gasol. And that really left them without a lot of depth as they sent out three guys while only bringing Gasol back. So what they did was they had to fill a couple of immediate spots. So they did that by uh, bumping up Chris Boucher from his two-way contract to a standard deal. Then Malcolm Miller, who was with the Raptors uh, last year on a two-way contract, they signed him. Uh, he had been playing for their G League affiliate. They signed him to a remainder of the season contract. Then they signed veteran point guard Jeremy Lin after the Hawks waived him. And then they added Jody Meeks on a 10-day deal for you know for the next at least couple of weeks here. So, so Con, do you think Jeremy Lin comes in here? He Really, he's going to take DeLon Wright's role. That's the the spot that's open, but Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry have both missed some time. They've both been banged up. They've both been banged up at the end of seasons heading into the playoffs. So Lynn has a chance to be another really impactful guy that they added here on the, the bio season market, right? I mean, I thought that Lynn would be a good fit for them even without these injuries yep. because, I mean, he's just a solid player that's talents were kind of being – I shouldn't say wasted, but not being put to productive use, I guess, with the Hawks, since their whole goal is to develop young talent and also get a high pick this year. Yeah, so solid, sorry to yeah. interrupt. Solid backup point guards are like having a really good closer on a bad baseball team. Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. There's, you know, you just it's something you don't need. So, so I'm with you completely there. There's, you know, they they want to give Young, you know, as many minutes as he can handle now, all the way for the rest of the season. Now that he's they, early on, I totally get it. Have that veteran there because you wanted to make sure Young could hold up you know, and kind of take the grind of an NBA season. He's proven that. So, yeah, 100%. I'm just a little surprised the Hawks couldn't get anything for him on the trade market. But but back to Lynn and how he fits in with Toronto Con. Yeah, so he can start. He can come off the bench. He could also probably play alongside uh, Lynn. I mean, not Lynn. He could play alongside Lowry um, or maybe even Van Vliet as the two if you're going super small. Uh, DeLon Wright was solid for them, so they need a guy like Jeremy Lynn. But I, I would say Jeremy Lynn's probably better this year than DeLon Wright. I would probably take DeLon Wright overall and like as a team-building uh, strategy moving forward because I think his potential is higher. But... Jeremy Lin is just a solid. He's going to do exactly what you need him to do. He's not going to take touches away from Kawhi. He's going to get Kawhi the ball. Um, he's going to probably work really well with Marcus All. And you know, I, I just, I just really like it. And it's also awesome because that shot against the Raptors that he hit during the peak of Linsanity yeah. is like the iconic shot. So uh, it's nice that he kind of ended up there for this season. Oh, definitely. And Pete, you can comment on it, you know, briefly there at the end, but you can see Lynn and Gasol really kind of working the pick and roll game to death on second units, right? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And and that's what I was going to touch on with Gasol is they're versatile enough that he can start if he needs to. And you, you know, bring him off the bench or, you know, bring us all off the bench and let him dominate. Now you've got a, a you know, a solid um, you know, point guard option that, you know, like Khan said, is not going to take anything away from the rest of the team, but give you everything he can on the floor and Lynn. And that's what they need to solidify their, their playoff hopes. 
No, absolutely. I think Gasol gives the Raptors a very amped up version of what the Celtics have in Aaron Baines, where he's you know just a much better version of what Baines is. But he's a guy when you need that big body against you know let's face it, the guy everybody's looking to target there is Joel Embiid, and now you can throw Gasol against him and give you know Ibaka a little bit more of the the you know lesser role there. Whether that means you slide everybody down a position or whatever you do, it gives you just a lot more versatility or you know, one of those where maybe you saw to start Abaka, but you pull him out and then you match Gasol with Embiid the rest of the time because Philly likes to play Embiid in those about five minute stretches. Um, so a lot of times now, instead of when Philly you know, has, has gotten a lot out of out of it over the last couple of years of bringing Embiid, they take him out early, bring him back in against the second unit backup, and then he just destroys that guy. Well, now that second unit guy for Toronto is going to be Gasol. So you know, I think that's good. He obviously gives them somebody against Brooke Lopez for for the Bucks, and you know, just you know, another smart player. And you know, so a lot, lot of roster options there, and they obviously wanted a little more point guard depth, and that's what Jeremy Lin's gonna gonna bring them, you know, in a big big way. I also wouldn't be surprised if Jody makes sticks there for the remainder of the season. I think he can almost be that cj miles replacement as a veteran shooter you know on those games games where you you know just need somebody who can go out there and make, make you a basket the rest of the way so toronto you know the the rich got richer in a lot of ways they were they were one of those teams we talked about it we loved you know that trade you know trading valentunas right and miles to get gasol because you know it just really solidified them all the way you know for this this big run you know into the eastern conference playoffs and that's where we're going to go next but before we do that we're going to remind you that we are brought to you by clns media um you know and if you're really enjoying the front office show please head over to itunes give us a five-star rating and review tell a friend let them know you can let them know we're back and we're back with you all the way through and we're gonna have you know so much really great stuff coming leading up to the the NBA draft and the NBA offseason. That'll be, you know, that that's kind of our, our second time to shine, if you will, or second and third times to shine outside of the NBA trade deadline. So we're really excited to get into that. We're going to bring in some special guests to break down their teams as we go into the offseason. You know, people who really know uh, what they're talking about with, with those teams. So we're going to get those folks um, in here that can really get get in there and go go deep on those guys and talk about all their 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 free agents and their summer plans and targets and all those kind of things so so that's where where we're headed but for the rest of this show now we are going to talk about the playoff races in each conference and we're going to start it off with the eastern conference so where i'm going to go guys first is milwaukee and toronto as it stands today and again we're recording this on uh, uh friday February 22nd. So heading into today's games, the Milwaukee Bucks are first at 44 and 14. They are game and a half ahead of Toronto. Those two are pretty well clear. Four and a half games is the closest anybody else is to those two teams. So they're probably going to be the one too. So Khan, who do you have finishing first and who do you have finishing second at the top of the East out of the Bucks and the Raptors? Well, it's interesting because if you look at the strength of schedule too, the Raptors have the easiest schedule in yep. the league left, and the Bucks aren't too far ahead with the 27th um, easiest, so fourth easiest schedule in the league. Uh, so I think that's pretty even um, the playing field there for them. I just think the Bucks, while Kawhi is going to be resting and maintaining and load managing, um, and Toronto's depth is also lacking now after the trade deadline, the Bucks are just fairly deep they have Giannis who's 
trying to get the MVP and also a system that fits them so much. I, I don't know. I, I like the I like how the Raptors play. I just think the Bucks know exactly who they are and play exactly the way they want to. And with Bledsoe and Middleton having great seasons, I, I just think the Bucks are going to be able to pull this one out um, and secure home court advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'll make it really easy because I'm with you for all the reasons you mentioned. I think Toronto's going to be a little more cautious down the stretch. I think they know that they or they, they feel very confident that they can win, you know, road games if they have to in Milwaukee. I don't think they're too worried about that. So I think they're gonna you know really prioritize keeping guys healthy and fresh, you know, for the playoff run. Pete, where are you sitting? Who finishes first? Who finishes second in the East? I'm going the same route just because I, I think the, the Bucks to me are the better constructed team. Um, just all the way one through five. And then I like even though I like Toronto's bench a little bit better, I'm not I'm not betting against uh Gian, a Giannis led team, especially with the way Middleton stepped up this year and Bledsoe. Um now you add Miritich and you've got another shooter in Ilyasova. Just for me, it's just all about, you know, the the system and um, I'm just got them slightly ahead of, of Toronto. Yeah, no, th- and that's and, and that's all fair, you know. And this, yo, know, let, let's be very clear, and I'm going to speak for all three of us here. None of us think any less of Toronto. No, for this. not at all. I think we're all just you know putting it in a position where Toronto is. Their 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 priorities are a little different for the remainder of the regular season than than Milwaukee. You know, I think the only thing at this point that that derails Milwaukee from getting the one seed is if they have a serious injury to Giannis or Middleton. You know, maybe that slows them down enough and Toronto can pass them, but but we'll see. What is very interesting though is the three through five seeds. So that's the Boston Celtics, Indiana Pacers, and Philadelphia 76ers. They're all really you know tightly grouped there together right now. The Pacers are you know a game or they're half game ahead of Philly and a game and a half up on Boston but obviously we're all kind of still waiting for them to fade without Victor Oladipo and then the Celtics with their win over Philly heading into the uh, all-star break they clinched the season tiebreaker over Philadelphia as they're now up 3-0 in the regular season series on the Sixers so you know it's really at this point we we look at it and say what is well, what's the order finish going to be? You could, I, I'm still going to say Philly drops to five there. And I think Boston oh. will pass. Uh, I'm sorry. Indiana drops to five. So oh, okay. I completely I was, uh, misspoke. I was getting completely worried. Misspoke. Yeah, no, no, no. Indiana drops to five, but I do think Boston will pass or at least finish tied with Philly. And because of the tiebreaker that they'll get the three seed. I think, you know, the, the, the Celtics also, they've, they've got a couple, you know, uh, easy picking games left and i think they've really started to figure some stuff out last night's loss in milwaukee notwithstanding you know but i thought you know they they were down a couple guys you know they they just you know no no shame in losing on the road to the to the box obviously so so that that's my pick i'm gonna go boston philly and then indiana what about you pete i'm going with philly just a slight edge one game finish over um boston uh who you know ends up in the fourth seed Indiana, I just think it's too tough. Now that uh, Miles Turner has a little bit of a lingering hip injury, I think that, you know, is going to play a part not having Oladipo. Yeah, that um, came there. out of nowhere over the All-Star break, that hip injury for, for yeah. Turner. That's interesting. I just I think that's just too much to overcome just based on, you know, I think Boston and Philly are just the better teams. No disrespect to uh, Indiana. I think they've, you know, done great. I just think without Oladipo, it's just going to be very hard. All right, Con, split the tie. What do you have? 
You know, I just, I kind of want to just come out and say Pacers 3 just to, you know, <laughs> be con- contrarian <laughs> and also because they are playing pretty well without him. Um, but no, I'm not going to do that. I <laughs> When Tobias, uh, when they did, made the Tobias trade and then also brought in Simmons um, and Ennis, I claimed that the Sixers are now the second best team in the league with their lineup, that starting five lineup. And I'm just going to lean into that take um, full force. So I'm going to have to say 76ers here uh, to stay on brand. I think the Pacers are going to struggle, but I was saying that they're going to drop even before Oladipo was hurt. I've been kind of low on the Pacers, maybe not in the regular season, but I'm just happy that we're not going to have to see one of the top four. I mean, obviously nothing's set yet but it's more likely that we're not going to see one of the top four east teams the contenders leave in the first round which was looking pretty likely with Oladipo um, running the show there with the Pacers so now I I do think that the Celtics I think that I mean the Celtics also have the highest net differential out of all these teams third in the league actually yeah, at plus crazy. 5.3 so so it's tough for me right now to like pick against the Celtics finishing um fourth I just I'm just gonna lean into my take that I made with the Sixers. So Sixers, Celtics, and Pacers. Sorry to uh, side with Pete there, Keith. No, no, it's all. I mean, <laughs> hey, it's it's all good, and it's you know, it's funny. People go to that net differential, and everybody goes, "Well, they beat the Bulls by like a hundred points," but it has been been shown multiple times by a lot of other people. You even take that out, and they're still third best net differential in the NBA behind the the Bucks, you know, who are you know really kind of chasing a historic. Uh, differential than the Warriors and the Celtics sitting right there in that third spot. So, you know, one, one thing too is I think teams really, I don't think any of these top, so we're all in agreement. The top four East are Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, and Boston. None of them, I think, are overly afraid of going on the road in the second round. I think they all feel pretty good and feel pretty confident that they can win on the road. But I think they would all like to avoid the Pacers in the first round out of Boston and Philly because I just think you're you know you're going to have to work to beat them. It's not going to be you know easy. You you might get them in five or even six games. Maybe it goes seven, but you're just gonna it's going to be a fight every single game because they just they don't beat themselves. They play really smart. They you know tend to stay in all their games. So you know I think I think those teams would like to avoid those guys. And the the popular team everyone was saying you know you don't want to play this team was the Brooklyn Nets, but they've really started to slide here. They they're three and seven in their last ten games, and they're kind of a part of a five if you really want to stretch it to six team race for those final three playoff spots if you really want to say the wizards are kind of hanging around Mm, yeah i don't think so i think they're going the other way so we're going to leave them out so that's five teams final two final three spots in the eastern conference it's the brooklyn nets this is the order of the standings right now going into tonight brooklyn nets are in six charlotte hornets seventh pistons eighth magic ninth heat tenth so for me I think the Nets are going to get in. I think they've just got they, they've got the talent. They do have a tough closing schedule, so that's going to be really hard for them. They've also got a couple of the tiebreakers, so I think that really helps them uh, going going down the stretch here. So I do think that they will get in um, there. So 
then I'm going to go ahead and say it will be the Detroit Pistons and the Orlando Magic, but in the opposite order. I think Orlando's going to get seven and Detroit sticks at eight. I think there's a good chance Orlando, I'm going to go on record, I think they're going to finish 14-9 and nine over their final 23 games and finish right at 500 at 41-41. and 41. And then it'll probably be either tied or a game off the Nets, um, you know, who maybe can just squeak over over a 500 record. But the, the Magic schedule the rest of the way, they've still got two games against the Hawks, two games against the Knicks, two games against the Cavs. They're playing the Bulls tonight. I mean, those were bottom teams in the in the East. They've got two games against the Grizzlies. So there's a nine winnable games very easily. And then they've got some, you know, kind of 50-50 games and only a couple tough ones for the Magic the rest of the way. They, they buy, you know, every measure, they have the third easiest closing schedule. So, Con, I'm going to go to you. What's your final group there in the East? How does it look for you, six, seven, and eight? So I like the I like Jared Allen and D'Angelo Russell way too much, especially and Joe Harris too. Like I just like the Nets overall. They're the team that I probably watched most of besides the Bulls, um, unfortunately for me. Um, so I'm I'm gonna have to keep the Nets. For me, they're actually like not in that five teams here. I think they're alone um, behind the Celtics and ahead of the Hornets, Pistons, Magic, and Heat. Uh, I just think it's not gonna. I, it's not going to come down to them like fighting for the last spot um, when it comes down to the last week. Uh, after that, the Hornets have the third hardest schedule in the leagues or remaining schedule in the league. So, and I, I, I just, as much as I love Kemba, I just can't get on board with the rest of that roster. But the thing is, I can't get on board with the Pistons or Heat even more. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think it's going to be the Hornets and Magic that close it out. I just like the Magic guys. I really like the young guys who are just consistently improving as the season goes along. Um, I'm huge on Isaac, uh, and maybe not this year, but I think eventually he'll be a really big contributor. Um, but Vucevic has been on a tear. They did lose Simmons, but I don't think he was providing too much for the magic this year yeah so it just that that wasn't a huge loss for them i wish they were able to fill in that point guard gap with more than a guy that might not even play in faults even though i thought it was a great move don't get me wrong um i just think they i mean they're also on a five game win streak and they are making a big deal out of pushing for the playoffs i also don't believe in the pistons so i'm gonna say hornets and magic close it out there but i'm gonna put magic ahead of the hornets yeah, so one thing with the Hornets, just you say the third hardest schedule left. They've still got games against the Bucks, two with the Raptors, two with the Warriors. They've got a game against Philly. So those, those are some pr- pretty tough games to to close it for the Hornets. They're all teams that are going to be, you know, they're all comfortable playoff teams, but, you know, kind of fighting for playoff positioning. Um, you know, and they're, they, they, that that's the thing that's with me is I, I'm, I don't want to pick against Kemba, but, you know, we'll see. They do have three games left with the Wizards, which is a little ridiculous. Um, they still have three games left against one team um this late in the season you know so we'll we'll see where that lands out and then one thing i didn't mention with with philly just to go back to them for a minute they still have three games left with the bulls and two with the hawks so mm-hmm. that's you know pretty uh pretty pretty favorable there um for for philly the rest of the way you know as they, they look to push in so pete i know you're, you're sitting there patiently where are you at mm-hmm. six seven and eight in the east uh, I'm actually going to go uh, the other way. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say it now. Uh, Charlotte drops out um, okay. for all the reasons you guys both said. I just, I don't, nothing inspires me other than 
Kemba Walker, and I just I think they really need to transform that team. Um, you know, figure something out. Um, I love that the Orlando Magic have gone on a run. I kind of wrote them off the season. I'll admit I had them as one of the bottom teams in the East. I just I thought that you know it was going to take another year, um, year and a half for them to kind of figure it out. Um, and so I actually have them eighth. Um, and I have Brooklyn. I, I love what Brooklyn's done this year. I dropped Brooklyn down to seventh um, just because they're not getting much out of the power forward spot right now. They're kind of, you know, trying to re-inter- you know, reintegrate um, Karis LeVert back into the lineup. They're trying to figure out what they can get out of Alan Crabb, you know, just kind of mixing and matching guys in there. Um, you know, the injury to Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't help things. Um, so I think they just take a little bit of a step back. I think Detroit, because of the strength of schedule, I think they, you know, narrowly get the sixth spot. But I don't think it's anything really that Detroit's doing so great. I think it's just because Brooklyn's going to kind of stumble just a little bit and Orlando has to make up a good bit of ground, even though it is, um, what, three games, two and a half uh, back. Right now, I think, you know, they might, you know, a game or two they should win, they might lose. So I think it's going to be tight there. But, like you guys said, nothing and none of these teams really inspire me come playoff time, but I think it's a good story as far as Orlando and Brooklyn, especially just because of everybody wrote both of those teams off, um, you know, pretty much every, you know, year the past few seasons. So, well, and you, you, you're with me on having the Pistons in and the Pistons have, they still have the Suns, the Knicks, two against the Cavs, and two against mm-hmm. the Bulls to go. So, I mean, that is really just wow. I mean, that's yeah. just you, – you can't ask you can't for get any easier, you know, much of it. Yeah, that, that is just a closing stretch that you're, you got to feel pretty good about if you're and you're the Pistons. We we didn't mention Miami. I just think they have too many injuries and just too, too much chaos amongst that team as far as figuring out, like, Waiters wants to start, and then yeah. – you know, you're trying to figure out rotations with injuries and now Drogic is coming back and you got to figure out what you're going to do with Winslow because he's been playing well at point guard. Like all of those things mixed in, I just don't think it's going to go well for them. Yeah, they really need Drogic back, Drogic back, Drogic back because they need him to take big shots down the stretch in games because it's really, it's it's Wade is the only guy who's willing to do it. Other than Waiters, I mean, he'll take a shot at any point at any game, but it really is, they, they need Dragic back because they need somebody who will take those big shots at the end of games because they just, last night when they played Philly, they needed a bucket and they just couldn't get one because it was, it was waiters taking terrible shots or, you know, Wade, you know, taking contested looks. So that's, you know, really not, not where you want to be, you know, at this point, um, you know, you know, in the season still kind of searching out for that, for that option. They've also, they've, they've got two games against Milwaukee, two against Toronto, still got the Warriors and the Thunder. That's just not a great spot for the heat. So that, that's why I have them out. So, all right. So I'm going to give you my, my final East order. I'll go first, the Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Indiana Pacers, Brooklyn Nets, Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons. So that would mean Milwaukee, Detroit, Toronto, Orlando, Boston, Brooklyn, which that's, you know, just a lot of fun there with their shared history. And then Philadelphia, Indiana would be my playoff matchups. Con, what's your final order of finish? Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, Pacers, Nets, and then Magic Hornets. So that gives me a series of Bucks, Hornets, Raptors, no. 
yeah, Bucks, Hornets, Raptors, Magic, uh, Sixers, Nets, which is going to be super fun. I hope that happens. Um, and then who's that? Celtics and Pacers. Yep, Celtics, right. Pacers. And Pete. So I've got Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, Celtics, Pacers, Pistons, Nets, and Magic. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's going to be good, good matchups. Uh, basically, you've got uh, this, my Sixers hopefully uh, doing well there um, against the Pistons. Uh, that'll be a good matchup with Embiid. Always trash talking. Uh, oh, that would be so fun, actually. I changed my mind. I want that series. <laughs> Isn't it nice that in the East we have all these, like, even the first round, even if we're all expecting it, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Philly to win, Mm-hmm. There's still fun matchups. You know, there's a couple new teams in the mix there, potentially with Brooklyn and Orlando. And then you've got kind of these you know, rivalries. And then obviously the second round of conference finals should be should be crazy. It's felt like a yeah. very long time since we've had this in the East. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, MB just sweeping Drummond would, is, would just be amazing to me. <laughs> oh, I think man. at that point, if you're Andre Drummond, you have to beg to be traded to the Western Conference. Or the Heat with the – who did he have uh, real estate in the head of? Was it Drummond uh, or Whiteside? Whiteside. Was Whiteside. it Whiteside or well, Drummond? Well, Drummond's the one he says he has the he owns real estate in his head. That's what I does, was saying. He yeah, does yeah. have stuff with Whiteside too. I mean, yeah. at this point, I think he's got stuff with every other center. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. I mean, hey, good for him. All right, let's let's look at the West. You know, I think the West is uh not it's it's equally as you know crazy because it's still pretty clumped together in the West. So first question. Can Denver catch Golden State for the one seed as it stands entering tonight? They're two and a half back. I'm going to go on record and I'm going to say no. I, I don't think the Nuggets can can catch the Warriors. Can they what stay ahead you? of the Thunder? Like, oh, that, so there you go. Question, you went right to the next question. So, all right. So let's let's talk that out then. So we'll talk that out. I, I also don't. I think they will stay ahead of the Thunder. So I'm going to give you my first three in the West. Then Warriors, Nuggets, Thunder. That's going to be my order. And, and if you you know just to put it out on record. It's Warriors are two and a half up on the Nuggets, who are two up on the Thunder right now. And those teams have a little bit of distance ahead of the Trailblazers, who are in fourth place. So, so Khan, you, you asked the question, so I'll go to you. What do you have as that order for the top three in the West? Um, well, the Nuggets, along with the Nets, are also one of my favorite teams. I, I take one team from each conference when the Bulls kind of season goes awry. So yeah, I, 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 for the past I, five years, I hate to pick against the Nuggets, but I just think I just really like how the Thunder are built and how they're playing. And Paul George is on a crazy tear. And I just think that they're going to go on a run here um, to close the season. And I was going to pull up their remaining schedule. They do have the hardest yeah. uh both teams actually have the top yeah. two yeah. hardest schedules yeah. remaining, but Oklahoma City is kind of out front with pretty significant difference um, between Denver and Charlotte, who are tied. But well, and I mean, what's important is they play each other twice still. So that's yeah, so really I mean, and that's kind of a big reason why the Thunder schedule is probably up there in terms of strength. Yeah. So if they, I mean, if they win both those games, that's immediate like huge advantage those two games are going to be really important um i'm just going to say thunder because i think paul george and westbrook and then also adding markeith whenever he comes back and i just believe in adams i believe in the young guys terrence ferguson i wanted the bulls to draft with 16 back before they made that trade so um it's nice to see him kind of get the time and the the quality play in there so let's say warriors thunder nuggets uh to round out the top three in the west 
Yeah, OKC has a bunch of tough ones left because they've still got Milwaukee, Toronto twice, Golden State. They've got the Nuggets twice. They have um, two against the Pacers. They've got the Lakers again. They've got two against the Jazz. So there is very few, you know, easy wins in there. They do have two against the Grizzlies, which is, I think, you know, really going to help them. But it is, uh, you know, that that's it. I mean, after that, then their easiest games are teams like Dallas, Miami, Detroit, Minnesota, those teams are also playing hard. So there's there's not a lot of easy ones left for OKC. Denver's got at least they've got the Knicks. They've got the Wizards two times. And then they've got the Pelicans and uh, Grizzlies a couple times. So that's going to be tough. Pete, how do you have it shaken out at the top of the West? Uh, so I've got Golden State one, Denver two. And I'm going to actually go against both of you guys. I think Portland sneaks into three and wow. OKC uh-huh. slides down to four because I think Portland's going to be really determined to get that third spot because if the Rockets or the Jazz end up going to five, I don't think Portland wants to play them either team in the first round because they could potentially get bounced um, very, very easily. Because I, I really think that uh, we'll talk about Utah in a minute, but I think they're, they're going to go on a little you know, slight run as well. Yeah, so that that's that makes a big, you know, um, that, that's a mess in the West from, you know, they're on down and in Portland right now, two and a half behind OKC. But we talked about how tough OKC's closing schedule is. So that, that you know, that's that's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And then you mentioned it. So let's just talk it right now, guys. Let's get into it. So Portland is in fourth right now. Mm-hmm. There is a three and a half game difference between fourth and eighth. And then if you let, let's say we're. Well, let me ask, are we all comfortable Portland finishes in the top four? Pete, you obviously are. I am as well. Uh, let me double check to make sure that I am. I am as well. <laughs> um, and Con, how are you feeling about Portland? Are they going to finish in the top four? I I mean, I don't, I'm not as comfortable as you are. Uh, I don't even know if I'm comfortable at all with that, actually. Okay. I think um, I think they have a chance of sliding behind both the Jazz and the Rockets, to be honest. Right. Oh, that's um, totally fair, yeah. Because... One, the Jazz tend to figure it out later in the season. And obviously, I mean, everyone's talked about how their schedule is easier um, in the second half of the year. But I, I think the Rockets with Harden really pushing for MVP and you're not really going to win MVP as the five seed. So I think Harden's going to be on a mission uh, to, to repeat there, even though the competition is tough with Giannis. Um, they're only two games back. I mean, two games for the Rockets, two and a half for the Jazz. So it's not like crazy um I, I don't know how many games they have left between each other if you guys have that that'll be I cool information maybe when one of you are talking i can pull it up but um, one thing to it with portland um yeah maybe look look up what you wanted to look up For they sure. they've been really bad on the on the road this year they're only 11 and 15 and they had so that means they've got 15 road games left against only nine home games so that's that's a you know another thing that's going to be kind of tough for them as they do they don't, you know, they're going to have to hold off Houston and Utah so yeah, they have, they don't play either yeah okay. they have they have the Blazers have the tiebreaker against the Rockets 2 to 1 and then the Blazers also they beat the Jazz one two. Yep, they have the tiebreaker against. No, it's tied two two. Sorry, two okay. uh, tied two to two against the Jazz. I don't know what like the detailed um, breakdown is between that series, but yeah. So against the Rockets, they're up. Jazz, they're even. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, why do we even do this, Keith? Why do we even predict? <laughs> why do we predict these? Like it's 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 so un like. There's no way we're gonna be correct, and even if we are, it's lucky. 
No, yeah, no. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's why we do it. It's because it's the discussion of getting yes. into just how much and how tight this all for is sure, in sure. the West. It's, you know, it really is jumbled there. And it's, you know, it feels like it's been this way for the last couple of years. But I think, I think what you're really looking for is, and I think Pete, you hit on it when you said, you know, maybe Portland, you know, pushing for that third seed. Is it, um, it gets you out of not only having to face the Rockets or the Jazz in the first round, but it also gets you out of having to play the Warriors in the second round, which is, you know, you, you really want to be on that opposite half as much as you can in the two, three, or, you know, might even be better for you to fall to six, seven if, you know, if need be here. So, all right, so let, let's go. All right, so let me, I'm going to flip the question then. We're, we're all confident that the Trailblazers, Rockets, Jazz are all playoff teams. Am I, or am am I correct in that at least? Yes. Okay, Con, you. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right. So then that pushes. Uh, are we all confident? Let, let's see if like we can eliminate another team. Spurs are tied with the Jazz at six. Mm-hmm. They are a game up on the Clippers, um, who are in the eighth spot, and they're two and a half up on the Kings and three and a half up on the Lakers. Are we all confident the Spurs are a playoff team? Nope. Okay. All right. Not so then, confident. I would pick them but i'm not okay. confident okay yeah, what about you same, same i'm not i'm i'm 60 40 that they'll make okay it. all right so so all right so then let's see what 538 I'm, is <laughs> i'm probably a little more confident than the two of you and the spurs making it but let's but let, let's 90 percent. wow sorry guys 90 percent yeah they have for 538 closing schedule too they're, they're 20th in schedule in strength of schedule left they've, they've got the box raptors warriors nuggets twice but they've got the Knicks twice, the Cavs twice, and the Hawks twice, th- which is obviously all home and home since those are all Eastern Conference teams. That's pretty good if you're the Spurs. That's probably, you know, out of those six games, that's probably at least four wins, if not six. Only The yeah. only problem is the Kings and Clippers have the easier schedule out of them. Yeah, they do, and yep. So it's, that's the only reason I put 60-40, just because it's tough, you know, right there with those those three. And it, isn't it crazy that here we're sitting in late February and part of our discussion is, are the San Antonio Spurs going to miss the playoffs? And is a LeBron James led team going to miss the playoffs? So, but which is just insane, you know, when you, when you think about it. So let's, so let's do that. Let's, let's get into that then. So here's what it looks like in the, in the West. So if we're all, uh, like I said, I'm a little more confident on the Spurs, but I'm not there. I'm not going to put them in that Blazers, Rockets, Jazz bucket. So, Spurs seventh, Clippers eighth, Kings ninth, Lakers tenth. That's where they all sit right now. So Pete, who gets the seventh and eighth spots? Oh man, um, really like realistically looking at it, I would put the Spurs staying at seventh, um, and then I I've got to go with Sacramento. Um, I just really really like them, and I'm pushing hard for them to make the playoffs just years of uncertainty and just dismay for that team and and i don't like the way the the whole thing with the lakers and all their drama and all that stuff came out and just i don't like how they looked on the court lebron just um you can look at uh for example like the the contavious caldwell pope contested three after lebron pretty much had his defender pinned down in the post for an easy bucket KCP yeah. jacks up a contested three and LeBron just shakes his head and puts his head down and just kind of trots on down the floor. It's just, it's not looking good. Lonzo ball looks like he'll be out for a couple more weeks. So that makes them 
ironically makes them weaker on defense. Um, and it's just too much dysfunction on that team. I would never in a million years starting the beginning of the season say I would have bet against a LeBron James team to to make the playoffs, but just the way that they've gone and, and no defense at all. And, and I really think they've tuned out Luke Walton, you know, weeks ago. And it's just Jeannie Buss is kind of hanging hanging on to Walton right now because I feel like if, if you fired Luke Walton right now, how much it would throw back to backlash to LeBron of, well, he wanted Walton fired and like all this different stuff would come out, which would make it worse for free agency in the summer. I just, I just don't see him, you know, beating even, I don't even see him ahead of the Clippers finishing. Pete, you're thinking too much, man. They got LeBron. <laughs> just, they got LeBron. I just, it doesn't matter. I it's just don't. Playoff it's LeBron. not enough. It's not enough. Did you see what he did with Cleveland last year? Yeah, but <laughs> it's I, playoff LeBron. I just, to me, it's not enough. Not in the West. All right, so, so. All right, so Con's obviously got a disagreement. Con, who are your last two teams in the West? Well, I can't just all season say I'm not going to bet against LeBron until they're ma- until he's actually out of it, until I actually see it, and then just come on here and change my mind all of a sudden, especially when it's only two games out after the All-Star game. Well, two games, three, two and a half. Two and a half, half games out. Yeah. It's. I mean, they just beat the Rockets yesterday. It's It's LeBron. I'm not, I can't, if he can take that Cavs team to the finals last year, there's no way he can't take a Lakers team ahead of the Kings and Clippers um, in the playoff uh, in the playoff race here. It it just it's very it's palpable when he doesn't try and when he does. Like you can see it completely. It's a whole different level for him. And if he's gonna stay at that level, there's just no chance to me that he doesn't make it. And if if I'm gonna eat crow at the end of the season, I'll do it by siding with LeBron, and I'm I'm okay with that. You know, it, it's so funny because I think I'm right with where Khan is at. Where, so I'm gonna Spurs. I think are gonna get in. I just, I they're just gonna get in. I don't see they're too good at home. They've struggled on the road, but they they've got that easy closing schedule. You know, I just it it's they'll figure it out. They're gonna get in. I think it's more likely they push up more towards the five six range than it is that they fall out. Um, just with the teams that are behind them, I just, you know, they're, they're the Spurs. I think also, I think their team, if you're Denver, OKC, Portland, and you're in the top half, uh, or if you're Houston and Utah making a push, you really don't want to see the Spurs on the other side. Cause you know, you're going to, you know, much like I said with the Pacers, but even to a higher level, you know, you're going to have to beat that team in order to advance. So, so that, that's where I'm at with that. And then that last spot I can't pick against LeBron. I just can't do it. I, I just, I don't, it's it, as crazy as it is, as bad as they look at times, it's still, it's LeBron James. And I can't, you know, imagine the playoffs without him. Now I do think they're, they're only going to get into the eighth spot. And then I think they're going to get absolutely obliterated by the Warriors. If they could go on a big time run and somehow push all the way up to seven, if you're Denver or OKC, or Portland, if they could make a big run, you've got to be kind of crapping your pants looking across the court and saying, oh, man, we pushed all year. Now we got to go through this guy to get there. But, you know, the Warriors, obviously, they're not going to worry about that, especially not with 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 this team, with the Lakers. So I'm going to go with them. I think the Kings are going to fall out. I just, you know, the Kings are who I want to get the spot. You know, I, I think they, they'd be the most fun team. I, you know, really they think their fans deserve it, but I think, their next year, I think, is is when the when the Kings get in there. I think that's when they'll you know move into to the playoffs. But 
right now I'm going to go with the Spurs and the Lakers with the Clippers just missing out and then the Kings dropping down into that 10 spot. That's you know how I see it playing out. So, so I'll give you mine. I got Warriors, Nuggets, Thunder, Blazers, Jazz, Rockets, Spurs, Lakers, which gives us first-round series of the Warriors and the Lakers, the Nuggets and the Spurs, the Thunder and the Rockets, and the Blazers and the Jazz, which are you know just four awesome, really fun series. Probably the one no one will care about there is Portland and Utah, and that might actually be the best one of them all. Um, but I think that's really good. Pete, what is your East 1 through 8? West. Uh, oh, West, sorry, yeah. yeah. That's okay. Uh, Warriors, uh, Warriors, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Thunder, um, then I've got the Rockets, Jazz, Spurs, and Kings. Okay. Um, so that gives you what? Warriors, Kings, Nuggets, Spurs, um, Blazers, and Jazz, and then um, OKC and the Rockets. The really matchup I'm, I'm dying to see out of that is the Rockets, Thunder, just because I want to see Paul George and Russell Westbrook go against uh, Chris Paul and, and James Harden, because it's going to be tough for one of those two teams to lose in the first round. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That, and that could really usher in a season of change for either of those two teams as, you know, it's uh, it, at that point, you get to start to ask the question of, have we gone as far as we can go mm-hmm. with, you know, the, the main components here? All right, Tom, what's your one through eight in the West? Yeah, I actually don't think I gave my official order. So oh, Warriors. Sure. All right, let's hear it. No, no, no. It's all good. Uh, Warriors, Thunder, Nuggets. I think Jazz are going to climb up to four, Rockets, Blazers. Um, then we got the Spurs, and obviously I picked the Lakers to get in there as well. So that's going to give some fun. Actually, do I want to put Lakers all the way up to seven? Um, I'm going to do that because I don't want the oh, Lakers out man. in the first round, you know? <laughs> um, we're going to go Lakers seven, Spurs eight. Warriors Spurs first round series. Then we got the Thunder versus Lakers, Nuggets versus Portland, and Jazz Rockets. Uh, so that should be fun because yeah, obviously no, it's all set, it's, uh, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. We just we'll, we'll see you guys in the last week in April as we make our playoff predictions. Um, no, it's for, for me, what is really really fun here is we've got some really great races both at the tops of the conference, the middle, the the bottom. You know, has some teams in it. We've got teams like we said in the East, like Orlando and Brooklyn in the mix that haven't been in a long time. The Kings are in the mix. The Lakers, you know, fighting to get in. You know, this has been for 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 what it's worth, for me, it's just been a really really fun um, season so far. I think it's going to be a fun last couple of months as we push all the way down i think there's 48 days left in the regular season and there's going to be very few nights when you're going to look and be like oh really there's no games that don't really matter i think you know most nights there's going to be games that matter and then obviously you've got those teams at the other end the the suns Knicks, and Cavs that are all looking the other way with the bulls you know kind of losing ground by the night here but those teams are all kind of looking the other way of not trying to win games but that's also kind of nice too that we've only got four kind of clear teams that are completely out of it that are, you know, not really trying anymore. The Atlanta Hawks have obviously they've won enough that they're going to keep pushing. And I think they're trying to build momentum going into next year. The Grizzlies are, you know, on that border of conveying their pick or not. The 
who knows what the hell the Pelicans will be. They're they're a mess. Um, the rest of the way, Dallas is, you know, no reason they, they shouldn't push in. They don't even have their pick most likely at this point. So, so it's going to be a really fun stretch run. We're going to be here with you guys all the way through the rest of the regular season. We'll continue to check in and talk about this. We'll probably do a, you know, a shorter um, check-in and update of, you know, how are we feeling in, you know, a couple weeks as we get into that first part of March. And then we'll do it at the end of the Mar- end of March. And then we'll, we'll really know for certain towards the, the middle part of April there is the, the playoffs will we'll kick off at that point. So we're going to close it out. Good to be back with everybody. Again, NBA for an off show. We're part of CLNS Media. You know, we're really, again, going to be here with you all the way through the rest of the regular season as we lead up to the off season and the NBA draft. Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete Toll MBA. So it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L-M-B-A. Con, where can everybody find you and what else you got going on? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Iconic, spelled with my name. Um, and the Bench Mob NBA, at the Bench Mob NBA is the podcast I do. We do mock trade deadlines. We're still doing mock trade deadlines because, well, <laughs> no one else is talking about trades. Um, NBA GMs still definitely are talking uh, and gauging the market value. And we're going to be doing that um, as well. As the bench mob next week, the live mock trade deadline event um, is going to happen, which is going to be really awesome Thursday before Sloan. And then I'm going to be going to Sloan, too. So if you're going to Sloan, hit me up. Uh, let's meet up and, and chat and stuff. So really exciting stuff. Uh, and yeah, check us out. Yeah, definitely look for Con in Boston at the Sloan Sports and Analytic Conference. Really cool event and, you know, good networking opportunities there. So, so look for Con. As for me, my name is Keith Smith. You find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. You can find my written work at Yahoo Sports, Real GM, and Celtics specific coverage at Celtics Blog Part SB Nation. That's, you know, where everything is. And for everything else, you can find us right here on the NBA Front Office Show, part of CLNS Media. And we will talk to you next time. plug you put the plug in the drain right ah it's on the dock there's a reason they say curse like a sailor Ah, many reasons progressive's boat insurance has you covered quote today at progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates and now an ad from dad save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. And then you can save up for a, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home an auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.